I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Tuning back into episode five here of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is KSL News Radio. Uh, let me just say, I, I shared uh, some personal stuff in that last segment. I'm grateful to you for the outpouring that, that I've received already uh, via text message. Uh, I can tell you too that I'm in constant contact with uh, with my wife up there at the hospital, and everything is is going very uh, very well. So th- thanks for that. Thanks for paying attention to that. And thanks for uh, letting me kind of share that. If I'm honest. Uh, the the past 24 hours have been so uh, fast-paced, I haven't had uh, much opportunity to talk to anyone about this. And so uh, I, I guess I'm talking to you. So thanks for listening. And thanks for listening to this segment here. We invited expert producer Andrew Hall. He produces the Dave and Dejanovic show each morning uh, expertly. I can tell you my first interactions with Andrew go back uh, a ways now. Since the beginning of this Dave and Dejanovic show, my last job, as I've told you a hundred times now, uh, I was a a congressional aide out in Washington, D.C. I worked for Congressman Rob Bishop as the director of communications. And the job of that person or that role is to arrange interviews and uh, assist with press releases and speeches and such like that and so it, it uh it was i was on the receiving end of many requests from andrew to speak to his expert host dave and dejanovic and so uh it's uh, nice to here be working with you in a new capacity absolutely today. absolutely so uh what happened uh you yesterday democrat congressman ben mcadams he uh did i mention he's a democrat he said that he would be voting against the president or he would be voting rather in favor of uh, these articles of impeachment, which we'll see on the floor for a vote either Wednesday uh, or Thursday. I, uh, before we get into this topic, can I tell you an interesting bit of trivia? Oh, please. Yes. So uh, you're familiar with uh, William uh, Jefferson Clinton? Yeah. He, he, president before you were born, right? Uh, that's right. So uh, he was impeached, as you know. Um, if uh, if so, it's expected that these articles today, or I'm sorry, right now, the articles uh, facing President Trump will be voted upon on the floor of the House tomorrow. But there's a chance that it's pushed until Thursday. Correct. Now, if if the articles of impeachment are voted upon on the House floor of the United States uh, against Donald Trump on Thursday. That vote will be cast 21 years to the day after the the House voted on uh, the articles of impeachment against uh, President Clinton. That sounds like it's on purpose. I don't know. That sounds like that was I mean, people are trying to make that happen. Yeah. Eh. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, the fun, fun little fact. Uh, yesterday, again, we, we uh, aired on these airwaves here uh, a press conference from Ben McAdams uh, making the announcement that he would be, in fact, voting for the articles of impeachment. And uh, to coincide with his press conference, he had uh, he made contact with the folks at the Deseret News and he ran a, uh, what do you call these, an op-ed or a guest opinion piece. And he talks about coming to Congress to do the right thing for Utah and America. He reiterates some of the promises that he had made when running for office, pledging to put country over party and to work with both parties and with the president to get things done. He claims that he has specifically in the areas of prescription drug uh, uh, and affordable 
uh, what, what does he want? He wants to he wants to make prescription drugs affordable and to strengthen Utah's economy. He wants to protect seniors and children from predators and clean the air. He then talks generally about the oath he took to uphold the Constitution. So uh, that's interesting. Now, when almost coinciding with that, you uh, Andrew got a phone call. Who, who called you? So I actually got an email. I received the inquiry from Vice President Pence's office yesterday. And let me give you some context for this. Meanwhile, the Vice President himself appeared on a local TV station uh, not long before that. And that was actually before Representative McAdams made his announcement that he'd be voting in favor of impeachment. Now, the Vice President, in that uh, in that hit with, uh, with the local station, he talked about how he wanted uh, Representative McAdams to consider voting against impeachment. Of course, he did make the announcement saying that he he would support it. But now we get this inquiry from Vice President Pence's office afterwards to kind of talk about uh, Representative McAdams' decision. Now, it appears that the White House is kind of keenly aware, Lee, of Representative McAdams' position as a Trump district Democrat. Mm-hmm. That's really important because, I mean, the, the White House is taking very particular interest in this seat itself, understanding his role as a Trump district de- Democrat. Well, what's that mean? Trump district Democrat. That is a, a Democrat who has recently been elected into office, but only subsequent to that district having voted for Donald Trump in the presidential election. Right, right. Important context here is he beat out Republican incumbent Mia Love in District 4 by a little under 700 votes. But just before that, Trump won the same district in 2016 by 7% of the vote. So that district is kind of I would argue overwhelmingly Republican, and meanwhile they're being represented by a Democrat. We've seen odd things, or we've seen irregular behavior out of this this clique of individuals. That's Democrats voted into office subsequent to the president having uh, uh, been voted in those districts. Sure, there, there's actually data on this. His district is the most Republican district currently represented by a Democrat, and that's according to the Cook Partisan Voting Index. So that's across the country. Some there's, of this. Some of the, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go. Some of the interesting behavior we've seen. Uh, we learned last week that, uh, last Monday I believe it was, uh, a handful of, a political reported on this, a handful of Democrats in that position uh, got together and they discussed the possibility of instead of impeachment, instead of going full bore impeachment, that they draft a piece of a resolution rather to censure the president. Correct. So a softer, a softer reprimand. Uh, Speaker Pelosi some time ago spoke, I think it was in June. She said, that's not going to happen. That's not going to fly. And so why get together and talk about it now for the fact who knows, but it is causing irregular behavior. I think the most irregular behavior that we have seen out of a Democrat, uh, a Trump district Democrat, um, is in the case of uh, Congressman Van Drew. That's right. Switching parties. Has switched parties. And uh, and how that came about, who knows? Uh, why, who knows? Uh, was he elbowed out by Speaker Pelosi? Was there a threat made that maybe he could not, he, he wouldn't uh, be able to count on campaign aides from the, the, the party at large? Who knows? Uh, but for whatever reason, he's decided to switch parties. He, uh, I think five or six members of his staff sent him a letter or sent a letter to the chief of staff saying, hey, we're out of here. Uh, no longer does our boss represent our views. And uh, uh, from that, what we see? The DCCC picked them up. Uh, anyway, you you spoke to the chief of staff of uh, Vice President Mike Pence. Correct. Yeah, his name's Mark Short. Let's let's listen to a clip. Well, is that Speaker Pelosi has done a very poor job leading her conference because there's no doubt that she's put a lot of her members in a tough position, and I think many of them are concerned that they would get primaried by the far left in their party if they don't vote for impeachment. 
And yet, if they do vote for impeachment, I think it's going against the will of the majority of their district. So I think she's put a lot of her members who are more moderate in swing districts in a really tough position. And uh, and I think that, uh, unfortunately, for, for congressmen uh, like Congressman uh, McAdams, I think the reality is that uh, as as they face this this sort of catch twenty two, what they're choosing to say is, I'm less concerned about all these legislative priorities that my constituents wanted and asked for, and instead I'm going to pursue partisan goals uh, that uh, looking to remove the president that uh, the American people elected. So I think this uh, this analysis is really interesting for Mark Short. In fact, what he kind of analyzes here is that Representative McAdams is in a kind of a lose lose situation in his eyes, at least politically. Uh, in his eyes, it's in Representative McAdams. Adams is in the situation where you vote in favor of impeachment and you might frustrate your district who voted for Trump in 2016. But on the flip side, you oppose impeachment and you risk being primaried by your own party in 2020. Absolutely. I think that's the reason. I think exactly this this idea that we're in, maybe not lose-lose, but difficult-difficult. Sure. Uh, a, a rock in like a soft place. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, I don't know. I didn't characterize that well. But uh, the irregularity of a press conference being called to announce what would otherwise be a very predictable vote uh, paired with this very elaborate and detailed uh, uh, op-ed run in the Deseret News. It's fascinating. Um, and, you know, re- regardless of where you fall, I think, on the political spectrum, regardless of how you're going to vote, uh, what this environment or this uh, whatever you call it has taught us is that their politics moves in fascinating ways and there are there is maneuverability available for for all of these individuals and new strategies have come into play and there will be a time i think down the road where uh, political science professors will be teaching a whole new school of strategy and it will be born uh, in large part to the the maneuvers uh, by folks facing uh, the, the the realities in this trump era uh, sure. it's fascinating i mean so Someday, someday the presidency of Donald Trump will be a, you can you'll be able to earn a PhD. That's uh, right. I think. Not too long down the road. Uh, listen, uh, Andrew, I'm grateful to you uh, for being with us, uh, reporting on your conversation with Mark Short, who's the chief of staff for the vice president of the United States. Big deal, man. Cool. Thanks, Lee. Uh, uh, next up, we're going to have a conversation with opinion editor Boyd Matheson uh, of the Deseret News, also the host of Inside Sources. Uh, you may have caught wind of an article in the Washington Post about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its finances. We're going to talk about that and share with you a statement from the church next on Live Mike. I'm Lee this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.